up, Kyle? It's Corey Jones, and I'm reaching out just before I actually get back on my skateboard for the first time in six months. I've uh, been stoked on all the podcasts coming out as of late, and I also just wanted to reach out and ask for some support, both from you and your supporters. And that is for the By Hand Project, which has a Kickstarter going right now to finish the funding for a full-length film that we're doing on Ryan and Casey Higginbotham's seven-month, three-day, 2,200-mile prone paddle from Alaska to Mexico. They even followed that up in 2018, paddling the full length of Baja, but that's a separate story. Uh, I will say that I've watched the most recent cut of the film, and while I'm biased, uh, honestly, it was able to move me to tears, and I think it's something that would have value to people all around the world, and it's something that needs to be seen. Uh, the reason we're asking for help is because this has been an unfunded journey, or self-funded. Uh, no formal sponsors, nothing of that nature, just an incredible journey and a great story to be told. So um, for all that are listening, if you could check it out on Instagram, by hand project, but more importantly, link to the Kickstarter. We have about 20 days left and have raised 30 of 64,000. So any help you can offer is something we're grateful for. And to everyone out there, just keep doing good things. Uh, we're all in need of it. Thanks. What is up, everyone? I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Thank you for letting me inside your head. That was a message from Corey Jones. And if you want to learn more about the By Hand Project, you can click the link below this episode. Casey and Ryan Hickenbotham are a couple of twins from San Luis Obispo, California. They love engaging in difficult endurance challenges from running 100 miles to prone paddling from Alaska to Mexico. If you can fathom that, I barely can. Uh, they're a couple badasses. And if you've got some extra cash and you want to see this documentary come to life, click the link below and support it. I love what they're doing. This episode of the podcast is with Mickey Avalon. Mickey is a American rapper, very popular. You've most likely heard his music. And he is also a well-read, honest, and articulate individual. I was uh, really blown away. He is friends with... Uh, Simon Rex, a.k.a. Dirt Nasty. They tour uh, around the world together. I'm friends with Simon. Thank you, Simon, for setting this up. You're the man. High five. Uh, and thank you, Mickey, for agreeing to do this. Um, there's something really special about the podcast medium where, you know, you're all just along for the ride. As I um, met this guy and we had a conversation you know i'm learning about him and you're learning about him with me there's something so unproduced about it um and we recorded this at my buddy's house who works for mudwater um mudwater is a chai mushroom blend if you're in the la area i recommend going into the mud hut uh it's all donation based um so you can just go in there and get some mud water and it is uh all of the money goes to MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. So it's going to a good cause, and they're based right on Abbott Kinney. Um, but all of that was to say, um, my buddy, Paul, who works for Mudwater, just let us record in his living room. Um, 
in this little apartment in Venice. We sat down, we set up the mics, and we started talking. And the fact that all of you now are listening, <laughs> you know, you were all in the living room with us. Um, it's just, it's, it's so cool. I love podcasting. Um, and if you have feedback for me, f- feedback for you know Mickey, if you like the episode, reach out to him on Instagram. It's a very, this is a very participatory medium. So uh, you can email me info at kyle.surf. That's where you can send those voice memos, uh, feedback on the show, recommendations for new guests, whatever, whatever. And if you want to try out the mud water, um, it's a great product. Um, not only are they willing to stick their neck out there and say that psychedelics can be used for medical applications, which I don't know many companies that are willing to take a stand on that. So that's pretty cool in itself. Um, they also make a great product. So if you're looking for a coffee alternative, go to mudwtr.com and type in the code name Kyle10 to get $10 off your first subscription. You can cancel at any time. Um, and they make really, really high quality um, mushroom chai blend. So mudwtr, Kyle10, you're welcome. Also, uh, Santa Cruz Medicinals, CBD. If you want to get some CBD in your life, go to scmedicinals.com. You can check out their coconut oil. You can check out their pain cream. You can check out their olive oil and type in Kyle10 to get 10% off of their products. Kyle10, SC Medicinals. Enjoy. I have a book recommendation for all of you. Uh, I'm reading Sapiens. I know I'm behind on the punch. You're probably like, Kyle, come on. That was so three years ago. But I'm reading it now, and it's blowing my mind. So if you're looking for a good book, uh, I recommend Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. I also have um, I have books up on my website, my book club, and I also just put up... Um, a lot of my favorite travel gear. I'm an Amazon affiliate, so if you if you want good summer travel gear that I've vetted, I'm not sponsored by any of the companies, but if you use that link to buy stuff, I'll get a small percentage of it at no cost to you. So, uh, travel gear. I put up my podcasting equipment because I've received so many emails from people who want to start their own podcasts. You can go to my website, Kyle.surf. Click the link below this description um, and get any of those products if you want to buy some stuff that works. I feel like you can have a net positive as as far as like not buying shit that you don't need that um, and not buying shit that then is going to break. You know, you want something that you just have can buy once and it works like I put up this chair up there. It's called the Helinox Zero. They don't even sponsor my podcast, but I'm going to talk about it because it's the Amazon affiliate. It it folds into something that's like the size of a coffee cup, and it weighs less than a coffee cup. And then when you're done with a long hike or something, you you bust it out, and uh, it's a nice comfy chair at the end of the day. I've used it on a number of um, hunting trips, and it is a lifesaver. So... Go to Kyle Surf, check it out, and with that, I hope that you enjoy this episode with Mickey Avalon. Chairman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. 
Yo, yeah, man, you've been on. A, it seems like a crazy travel schedule. I saw on your Instagram you were uh, at a protest in Russia. Not a protest. Not a protest. I was in. I was just in Russia. I literally got back like two days ago, which won't be two days ago in this place. But uh, and we were only there for four days, which is a far, um, far amount of place to go for only four days. But someone contacted uh, my booking agent like out of nowhere, and he thought it was like for a show. So he was, he was, he was confused. They were confused. And someone from this group, uh, called Immortal Regiment, which is like some cultural group in uh, Russia found out, found out about me and then found out that my grandparents were in the Holocaust, which that was just, I, I asked them how, I'm like, how'd you even find out about me? And they're like my 20 year old nephew, uh, they that they gave he read that article that I told you about. That's the only reason it even came back in my mind recently because they just said, "Oh, we we found out." Yeah, the LA Weekly yeah. article. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was super long time ago. This guy John Albert wrote it, and he just kind of covered every a lot of those people that even were interviewed in the article aren't even alive yeah. anymore. So uh, so what was it? It wasn't a protest. So so every year in Russia, May 9th is uh, called Victory Day. And because that's when they, when World War Two, basically the Russians are basically who won World War Two, or didn't. You can't really win a war, but yeah, they were the ones who stopped the Nazis. America came in at like the very end, but they lost millions of people. Almost everyone in Russia has a grandparent or somebody who died uh, in the war. So they do this like million person march, like Putin marches in it. He gives a speech like earlier in the day, which they got us to that speech they couldn't even go to the speech like me and my chick went and there was only like maybe a thousand people like it was totally insane there was like a thousand people at the speech but then like a you know everyone's can go to the march there's like a million people everyone has like a, a picture of their grandparents and that's not people in the holocaust that's people that died, died in the, the war. war right and then for the first year this year this group immortal regiment and then they worked with this other uh a website that I can't even say the name because it's a Russian name, but they also brought like people whose whose uh, relatives were in the Holocaust. My grandparents aren't even Russian. Uh, they just they just had like I don't know out of a million people there was like twenty or something. Yeah. So where are your grandparents from? Uh, my grandfather was born in Transylvania, and then my grandma's like Romania, and it would switch like Romania, hung, Hungary, like dip depending on the year, but um. Yeah, so it was, it was it was totally a trip. Uh, Moscow was a trip. The parade was a trip. Uh, we only got to be there for four days, and they took us around. Like the first few days, they just took us on so many like uh, culture, you know, show us their culture, show us their thing. That we'd be so exhausted, we'd pass out at like seven o'clock. Didn't even get to go out at night for the first three days, and then the last day, we're like, we need. We, we, we told them, we're like, we need to go home. We need to go to the hotel in the middle of the day, get some rest, because then we want to go out at night. And then we went out at night, saw the bars, saw Red Square at night. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's super clean, no homeless people, no dirt on the streets, uh, wide street. It's just like there's buildings from, you know, like Moscow was found in like 1140 or something. Like we went to the Kremlin. It's just crazy. And that crazy. was your first time there? Yeah. Wow. 
what an experience, man. I mean, yeah. to also just to think that it was two people ago that that's, that shit went down. That's and the to crazy like, part. Just to bring it like back. We, well, we yeah. have such short uh, attention, such attention spans, yeah. right? And like we, we so rarely think about what was happening just two people ago or even, yeah. or then four people ago. Like, that was not that long ago. No. So to put yourself back in that situation. I mean, that was 1945. So that could even be like one person ago. Technically, you know, like your, I mean, my mom was born in 53. I mean, it's, it's pretty close to one person ago. And then, you know, I think now, and then there was like, we have just as many wars going on right now. I just think you don't, especially in America, like you don't see them on television. And so we think like, Oh, nothing's really happened in our lifetime, but like shit ton of stuff's going on. It's just not on not on television. Yeah. 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 I know. There's something I think unique about the Holocaust because it's so, it was so systematized. It was so. It's like science orga- fiction. It was, yeah. It was organized. It was, yeah. you know, it's like, um, the way that we, the way that I think of it is the way that we deal with industrial farming now. You yeah. know, it was, you know, like, there was totally. the, the lots and the, you know, it was so efficient, yeah. but it, you're dealing with human beings. Yeah. It's like Hitler just all speeded out. Like, like, you know, create, like you've been up for like nights and you're just like, we should fucking do this, you know? And ex- accept it with it's your friend. Like we should do a startup. It's like, we should <laughs> do <laughs> we fucking should yeah, yeah. We're going to pull it off. Like I watched this show, uh, called the man in the high castle have you seen that show? um yeah it's if if uh hitler would have won the war yeah like right? hitler and the japanese won. and it's just you kind of see because it's you know a, a dramatic show you kind of see like one of the main uh one of the main nazi dudes like they find out his son has like some like a minor it's not minor i guess like epilepsy or something uh so he has to be like killed Cause that's just like the, you know, the rules and then he wants to like hide it from, and it's just this whole thing where it's like, you saw how that Nazi family started thinking of things differently. Like, cause they had, you know, their kid had to be, it's just like, like you said, so systematic, so systematic on, on like so many things. Like, uh, are, are you Jewish? Are you mentally handicapped? Are you gay? Are you a gypsy? Are you, you know, what does the term, Work is freedom, mean to you. You mean uh, Albach Machfrei? Yeah. Work will make you free. My dad actually had that tattooed on his uh, chest. But uh, I think it's kind of like, uh, I think, I don't think they meant it to be uh, iron- or ironic or, uh, you know, sarcastic. But I, I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, like work hard and you'll get out of here. Right. But so that was on that was the slogan at uh, Auschwitz, Auschwitz. Yeah, right? on the gate. And yeah, your yeah. dad had that tattooed on yeah. his chest. Yeah, either on his stomach or, or his chest. And do you have that tattoo as well? No, I have my what? grandfather's uh, my grandfather's uh, numbers. Wow. I think my dad getting it. And me, get, I think they're probably two different things. Uh, my dad hated his parents uh, just because they were, you know, a child-parent relationship is always... We, we all have baggage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think with him, maybe he was like being uh, like kind of in their face or something. Where with me, uh, and not that... I, I got a long time with my grandparents, but it's just when I was a kid, you saw like more a lot of old people that had or at least since you know like out here you saw a lot of old people that had it the numbers and now the so they would tattoo the jews when they would go into yeah the, i think they the, tattooed everyone yeah. in the camp like i said there's a lot of 
you know, there's millions of other people only just kind of, I guess the Jews got the most PR with, with all that. Uh, but yeah, they were tattooed when you came in. Like, so I guess that's like Auschwitz. And then he was probably like, I don't know, the 13th. One, three, three, yeah, yeah. four. Uh, so, so yeah, so you'd see it, you know, people would see it. They could ask questions what it was. And then now nobody really has it just because of the number, you know, like people, those people have died. And unless you were like 13, you probably still, so no one's really left. And they say it's, you know, to good to remember. So, um, I just kind of got that to remember yeah. people ask questions. I mean, I'm not like super, I'm not religious or anything. I just think that was a time in history that was pretty uh, crazy. Like you said, just two people ago. It was very cra- crazy. It's very easy to forget it. And I think that it's, like the way that I, the, one of the reasons I think it's so important is because we have, like, it's like we have all these myths that are that we believe throughout yeah. the world. Like, you know, the the myth of the like, okay, I believe in this nation, or I believe yeah. in this religion, or I believe in this company, and that's gonna inform your actions, it's gonna make you do different things, and to see what humans are capable of, both on the side of systematically slaughtering other humans yeah. because of this myth that they believe, or um, you know, believing that that money and fame is now that's a myth that that they believe. Um, I think it's really interesting to l- kind of step back and look at what myths created those behaviors. Yeah, I mean, you c- one. I mean, humans are we're you know crazy. One of the good things about humans is you can pretty much adapt to like any situation. Yeah. Situation you would think like I, I could never. I could never uh, li- be homeless and live on a tent with, you know, in the corner. Like, you can. Like, don't. Try not to. But, like, you, what what you thought you could never do, like, you you know, you can do. But then you could also, like, have these crazy thoughts and, and someone with charisma. Uh, it's, like, really easy to get into that group thinking, like, and just be like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's it. And right. just, you know, jump right in. I mean, it's like... Yeah, I don't want to talk politics, but yeah, you could see how easy it is to get on like yeah, a, a and with, crazy with charisma. Like uh, one thing I thought that was interesting uh, about the LA Weekly article was um, they brought up the how you were talking about the song "So Rich, So Pretty" and how you were being ironic talking about this vapid LA culture where all the chicks are coked out and anorexic. Yeah. But you, it's you're almost you said you're almost kind of making fun of yourself too because you're in it, but it's. I feel like you you're spotlighting this myth that so many people have not been able to articulate, but they're just living. Yeah, I mean, we kind of nailed nailed it on that one. Uh, but yeah, the the sad part or not the ironic part was yeah, like wasn't trying to like meanly do it. It was just kind of you know like pointing it out. And this the world has changed so much just since then. I mean that like that was still I think social media was just starting. Uh, there was no like Instagram hoes or any like right. it was just the very you know there was kind of like a, a Paris Hilton kind of thing you know like and not even about her but it was just kind of that that was kind of the there were le- there were less um, I guess avenues to get yourself yeah, out like, there whereas was, now I mean you walk down we're we're in Venice you you walk two blocks and you're probably gonna see twenty five yeah, girls like, taking selfies yes. and making it into there their was career. no no selfies. It was still a very, like I said, the reason it was kind of like uh, Paris Hilton was kind of the inspiration. It was like still a very, we were going out to, to clubs in, in uh, L.A. And so it's still very, you know, a very small play. Like it was probably what, like New York, L.A., 
you know, rich socialites, not any, anyone and their, and their sister. So, uh, so yeah, just kind of just taking the piss out of it. But then it became like, oh, that song's about me and, and like all proud. And it's like, uh, did you listen to, you know, like, it's not anything, it's not anything nice. I mean, I've never dated anyone like that. So I wasn't totally making fun of myself, but it was going to those places. So right. you're spot. Yeah. You're spotlighting. spotlighting. I like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, how, so, so I mean, you, you kind of credit Simon with letting you sleep on his couch and bringing you into this world and then you becoming successful through your art. But it seems like you've also had this kind of arm's distance towards the whole thing. Like, I mean, was there ever a point when it just overtook you, like that vapid L.A. culture? Or have you always felt like you've been able to see it from some perspective? Uh, I mean, I credit... I mean, Simon just helped me just with a million things. I never... Like, he just helped me in my life uh, as a best friend, you know, Uh like when my daughter would come into town, like he would let me stay there. He let my daughter stay there. It, it, there was no plan like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do this and get famous, or you know, he already had a career that was nothing uh, I ever thought was something. Music was, no, I mean, none of it was ever, and that's probably the reason why it it worked because it wasn't something we were trying to do. I don't know that it ever overtook me. I think, uh, and and. And I didn't get like exposed to something that I, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. So I seen all this stuff before and I'd already had like real bad drug problems kind of when it started. Maybe it just gave me like uh, more money than I had had in another time. <laughs> You're like, I can pay for the habit now. Great. So, yeah. Cause I think looking back when I, I, I look at stupid shit that happened or, or, or mistakes I made, or even like me and Simon didn't talk for years or, you know, just stupid. Uh, I guess you hear it in all the behind the music story. It's all the same shit basically. But I think maybe just lost myself more in uh, nothing. I was better than anyone, or or like fame, or because it never really got that crazy. I just think being on probably more more drugs and having an endless amount of not endless. It just I, I think that was it. The more drug thing, and I think th- uh, that's what got me not uh, not connected with myself. Like I never like if I could have ten dollars before and you know go get like go get some drugs and and a pack of cigarettes and find a place to sleep that night like I was still pretty connected with myself because it's you know I was using all my energy to get that ten dollars and whereas I think if I could just wake up and just be high all all day and night I just that's I think when I lost so it was like the struggle connected you to yourself more not that it connected me to myself more, but I never was like so. I never was just like numb from morning till night. Like I still knew exactly who I was. I still was myself, and I think there was a time when uh, it was just me, and then uh, like um, I think like my DJ or something. Now I don't even take a DJ with me because we just use somebody there, and it's not worth paying for the travel and the hotel. But I think. Uh, uh, just me, me and him, and we would just be like high all day, pretty right. much. And then I like lost all my other friends, and uh, and then I was dating a girl, and then she like we all basically just me, her, and him, and then just drugs, and like lost all my friends, and then I lost her, which was a good thing. But all of a sudden, I was like, and then I was supposed to make this like my second record, uh, like on a big record label, and I just like lost my two best friends. They didn't die. I just lost, you know, and uh, 
And I'm just like, wasn't really feeling it. And I'm like working with this big producer and it just like, it, it was all like, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. Not that it always has to be fun. It's just up till then it had kind of all been fun. It had all been easy and natural. And then I'm just like sitting in a room for like six months every day, just listening to these beats over and over. And just like, I don't really like just not, you know, I would say that would be the, that was the big difference. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, it makes me think of this quote. You know who Gabor Mate is? So he's a, um, he's a, a I believe he's a psychiatrist, uh, an addiction specialist. And uh, he has this quote that I love, which is, addiction is not the problem. Addiction is the person's attempt to solve the problem. Oh, totally. I, I, uh, I mean, I said it on Chris's podcast. Like, I think there, I could have killed myself if it wasn't for, I think the drugs helped for right. a good time. Yeah, like we so often talk about what the drugs take away, but we don't often talk about what they give you. Yeah. And now, and I know it's, it's easier said than done, but the, the reasons why I got into, into that aren't even, uh, relevant anymore. It was, you know, this is like, um, 25 years ago, probably even longer. If you go back to like, you know, things before that, uh, where I'm just now like, it's, it would be like, uh, the full deep, you know, the, the physical part, you know? And, uh, so I think if I like magically got, you know, wasn't on anything, wasn't drinking or anything, uh, and just, I think, I think I would be okay because that stuff has already been dealt with. It was like stuff with my father, stuff like that, that I've already dealt with. Hmm. I just haven't, uh, ever really had like the, you know, that, that full clean slate of just, you know, I've been in AA before and I, I don't know that that's it for me, but what I saw, uh, with that, that worked was like, uh, like you need, you really need to give it like 25 hours a day to, toward like, don't even try and, you know, it's like if you wanted to get super buff and like join fucking right. Iron Man or something like, you're not going to do it don't go, for an hour a day. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, don't attempt that unless you're like ready to, to go full force. Right. Do you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's distractions are the killer, man. I, I feel that for people, whether they're, you know, we're talking about drugs or people who want to take it to the next level with any kind of creative endeavor. It's, it's, I, I see a ton of people, myself included, not be able to finish tasks just because of all the distractions that are around us. So it's like this kind of um, reductionist diet of everything is what can allow people to really get their shit done. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know. I would think like probably surfing with you or whatever, like most of the stuff, you know, I paint, uh, and I've given that, you know, years, but that was when I, like when you're younger, you can really go, you know, all day, like no, no wife, no kids, no, you know, you're just like, you know, I, I could paint like 15 hours a day. Like I can't paint 15 hours a day now. I wish, I mean, I can, if I, I can easily get lost in that, but like, I don't have the, like, I can't think of when I could, uh, next Thursday, I'll have 15 hours that I can go, you know? Right. So it's like, it's cool that you had that time when you were younger to really, like, you know, uh, hone your craft and stuff. But it'd be rad to have nothing else to do. Like, you don't have to make money. You don't need to do anything. And you could just, you know, like Picasso painted every day till he was like 99 years or whenever he died. Yeah. And I'm like, in some sick studio. Like, you know, that's kind of what I just work towards. I'm like, hopefully 
I'll just, it won't just be show to show, you know, hand to mouth. Then there's like a few extra bucks to where I can, you know, take six months off and right. like, you know, you the know. Picasso story of, uh, the time that he was an old man and he was in this cafe and he had done yeah. a drawing on the napkin and this guy says, Oh, can I, can I have that napkin? And he says, uh, he's like, sure. You know, $50,000 or something. And I said, what? It took you two minutes to paint, to draw that. And he says, no, it took me about seven, whole life. Yeah, 70 yeah. years to yeah. paint this. Also, uh, I think there's that story with a few different versions, but right. the same, uh, same, same idea, but even more so, uh, Picasso would pay, I think Salvador Dali did this too. They'd pay for everything with checks because no one would cash their checks because their signature was worth more than the check could possibly wow. be. So oh, he'd be like in the bar, like drinks for all my friends and then, uh, pay with the check and no one would ever. That's amazing, man. Um, that's such a good one, man. I mean, it's, and that also is just knowing, knowing your value, right? Yeah. Like knowing how, like valuing all the hours that you put in when no one was watching yeah. and realizing that you should be getting paid for that. And you are, if you value yourself correctly later in life and if you charge the right amount for yeah. your work. I mean, and that's, it's, I'm like terrible at business and hard, you know, it's hard to market yourself. I think that's why, uh, people have agents and, and they probably like, don't, don't let them see you do that in 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, like go in the room for six months. Cause sometimes it's 15 minutes and sometimes it is six months and it's, it's, it's really knowing when to stop. I think with any art, uh, writing songs, uh, painting and, uh, sometimes, sometimes, and I've ruined plenty of paintings because it will come to so easy and you're like, it couldn't have been that easy. Like this can't be half good if it came that easy and then you destroy it and then you're like fuck that was really awesome and now this what i did over it totally sucks and uh you, you know i need to walk away right well simon talks about how you guys wrote my dick in like an hour and it was the easiest thing ever yeah and it like our, th our third partner in the group uh andre legacy he had the idea, we've told this story a million times, but basically not only was it quick and easy, it was kind of just to, to shut him up because we thought it was the stupidest idea ever. So then Simon like made the beat in like 30, like we're like, okay, uh, that's a terrible idea, but we'll just give you, you know, like you've done our ideas. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll give you a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like we'll basically just do this just so you can we can all hear it and then you can agree with us that this is terrible and move on to the next thing. And then of course that goes platinum. Yeah. It actually did like six months yeah. or a year ago or something. Have you always been a writer? Yeah. I've you, always written, written. <laughs> I'm a you're, great writer. Amazing writer. I've always written. Um, I speak good. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I just, I always read a lot as a kid, uh, and then even as an adult, I don't read that much anymore because, like you said, there's there's so many distractions. Uh, like, I would always have a paperback in my back pocket on the bus. Uh, just kind of had a lot of time to myself. Who got uh, you into reading? Probably my mom or my mom or, or my dad. Probably, probably my mom. I mean, I got a bunch of books from my dad from when he was younger, just like from his house. But probably my mom. Uh, she would get me books and stuff. Uh, yeah. I like, you know, I, I really like Charles Bukowski. Uh, don't try. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's don't try. Uh, a lot, a lot of stuff. I've read tons of books. Um, but, and then, you know, I liked to write in school, you know, and, and then I wrote like poetry for a minute and now I, 
I mean, I guess we do it in song right. song format. And do you, do you, sorry, were you going to say something? Uh, no. Do you uh, still do graffiti art mostly? No, I did uh, for a little bit. I mean, I, I did more vandalism, I would say, yeah. than uh, like some of my friends were were uh, good at the art aspect. I liked more the uh, the vandalism aspect, and I just wasn't very good uh, at the art aspect then. Like, I think some of that probably helps with painting now, but I I really just like tagging on buses and walls and breaking windows and stuff. Not. Uh, not the art part. I mean, I, I liked that my friends were really good at it. Yeah. I just, and I would try to like, you know, partake, but maybe help them fill in like a big area. Yeah. What, but, do you th- what do you think uh, that got you? The, like, what, what do you think that gave you along the th- same threads of like, uh, same thread of what did drugs I give think, you? What do you think vandalism and what tagging? More and, the just the, I think like the brotherhood kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like uh, this, this guy, uh, Skate, who was kind of like the leader of our crew, not kind of like he was the leader of our crew. And he was, he was now it doesn't look so like he was just a few years older where when you're young, like a few years is a lot. And he was like really big. And he was like, uh, like, uh, just kind of was our big, all our big brother or father figure or something. So I think that like the, just kind of like the group of friends, I guess kind of like what a gang would do for, you right. know, like a second family. And then, I never really thought about it, but I'm sure, like, re- you know, releasing steam, probably. Mm. Like, you know, when you're a kid, they, like, tell you, like, you're so angry. And you're like, no, I'm not. And you really don't think that you are. And then, but then you look back and you're like, fuck, I guess I was pretty angry, you know. Right. Uh, so probably that. Yeah. You know. um, one thing I've, I've noticed about you, too, is that your art, a lot of times, like, you... you I think there's a personality trait around a lot of artists, at least good artists, where you're kind of pushing a boundary where you know that something that you're doing is going to offend people, but you're kind of putting it back on themselves. So my question is, when you release you know, an album that you know is maybe going to be offensive to someone, what does that reaction give you once it's out into the world? I mean, I know when... And again, the the world has gotten more politically correct now than ever, and I think it's it's very it's very dangerous, you know, uh, because then it makes it makes it very attractive uh, when someone's like super not uh, PC, yeah. Then it, like it, someone it, like it, 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 meta- it like it metastasizes it. Yeah, and I'm not and I'm not I'm we're not I'm not going to talk politics, but you see someone like Trump, and you're like, yeah. Like, I'm not like that, but you could see how that's, like, really, uh, like, really appealing. Like, he's making fun of retarded people and grabbing girls by the pussy. Like, it's, like, the exact opposite of uh, politically correct. Whereas maybe if things were just kind of a little more even keel, that wouldn't be so attractive to people, you know? Yeah, it it, uh, creates a pressure cooker situation. Exactly. So I think I've never really thought about it too much with writing stuff, but I, uh, I know sometimes, you know, someone go, we can't say that. Okay. We could say whatever the fuck we want. You know, words are that, that funny. It's kind of like, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But then words can't, you can start a war with like words. So they're very powerful, but they're also nothing. Like it means nothing. Like I could call you something, and if you choose to not let it get to you, it's like that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it could create a myth that 
could but, but propagate you, a war. Yeah, like right? you could write a letter to you know. To, so as long as you know, there's certain things you can't say because, like, if you're not like if you're in a particular group, you can make fun of that group. Uh, like if you could you say something about you know someone in your family, but then someone else says, it and you're like, don't talk, you know, like don't talk about my mom like that. But yeah. if you said the same thing to her, so. So, you know, like if Simon's, if we say, oh, we can't say that, so we could say whatever we want. I mean, as long as we're not, uh, as long as it's not, like I've, I've had to change, uh, I've had to change two lyrics in, uh, in my whole, you know, my whole career. So on my first record, first, uh, song, it was actually the first song I ever recorded. Uh, I sampled, I didn't sample it. I said it from, uh from the message grandmaster flash so it's like it's like a jungle sometimes it makes me wonder so i said that and then i said the god must be one sick motherfucker so because i said the part from grandma am i good on the mic you good because okay. i said the part from uh grandmaster flash you have to like clear that so since we had to clear that they wouldn't let us clear it because they said uh because you said the thing i guess the people who ran the, his house or whatever were religious, and they said, we're not going to let you say that because you said the God part after. And I said, well, I didn't... I, it's actually a, like more of a uh, religious concept. What I actually said is, like, people, religious people say the reason that there can be free will is because, like, the world's so fucked up, and it would seem as if there's no God... Uh, but and then that's how you can if the world was like glowing it'd be like really easy to believe you know so i was an interesting concept yeah so it's like the free will concept like you have free will because things so i go try and explain it they're like no so i had to like say something else that had uh the same syllables and I always and the originals out there like on YouTube or whatever and I always kind of hated the fact that I had to like change it because that's not what I wrote like the new one was like looking out my window at night can't help but wonder so it had the same uh, same beat same beat but it just was like nothing really special about it like it was cool when it was the the homage you know the sample of Grandmaster Flash so that was one, and then I think I said, uh, I think I said like fag on something, and and then that also was that also was uh, we sampled Billy Squire, the beat, who he let us clear the the beat, the drum beat, but then he said I had a, oh, I said faggot, not fag, and uh, not in the, not in a mean way, uh, and like I think everyone thinks I'm like bisexual anyhow, which I'm not, but like everyone thinks Mickey, you know, so I thought. Like, I, I had the the right to say it or something, and I don't even remember what the whole uh, context of it was. But uh, he said, "I'll let you clear the the sample, but you have to take that out." So then I changed that to change to bastard, which didn't change. It wasn't like the other thing where it really changed it because uh, it sounded exactly the same. And then I thought about it. And I go, you know what? That was probably better anyhow because I I don't really have the right to say it. Uh, and I think like what you said, maybe, maybe I originally wrote it cause I knew I shouldn't say it and I said it anyhow. So, so that time I don't think it changed the context of the song or it actually made it better. Uh, and I'm way more comfortable when I play it live saying with bastard, whereas the, 
I still say the original one for the other song when I play it live. So how I don't know if I answered your question. No, you didn't. That's really interesting. I mean, it's it's given me a little glimpse into the world of making music and how there's the the art, but then there's also clearing beats, clearing words. With hip hop, it's more. I mean, I don't know that you deal with it so much with with other stuff. And early hip hop, you didn't have to deal with it at all. So and what are some things that you need to deal with if you're creating a new song? Well, nowadays we, we play almost all, like we, okay, rap pretty much was, used to be like you sample something and and, and then you, you sample the beat, you know, off a record. I would say 90% of all old rap was like that. And you didn't have to clear any of it. And that's rad for the guy making it. But I guess it's kind of, you know, it's fucked up for James Brown and everyone else getting sampled. They deserve to get paid. So now we pretty much play, uh, even if we wanted to sample something. So say we, because there is that, that created a certain kind of uh, art form. Uh, sampling's like rad. But... Uh, now, say we want say oh we we want to sample that beat. We play something similar, uh, and we you know either I I can't play any instruments, but either Simon could do it or one of our friends. So uh, you'll find a beat that you think you like, but you say okay, I, we know that we can't we can't take so, this one. So let's find something that's similar. Well, you but, play it yourself. Okay. Like now, I would say nine ninety percent of rap music is probably play just like any other kind of music i mean the grooves are a little different but or if you're you know uh if you're huge and you have a ton of money then you can you can still sample shit because you could pay you for just it buy for it buy yeah it. like uh you know every you'll hear new songs on the radio um sample something and it's cool but well there's really not we really don't have any of that to deal with anymore or if we do sample something you just can't make money off of it so you just give it away which I've never really made too much money off off uh, selling records. Anyhow, I kind of got in just at the end of of like records being bought. I mean, I got some money. I sold my first record to the record label, and got money for that. But for the most part, ninety nine percent of my money is from uh, from shows. So if we think of oh, that, sounds better. Sometimes you, you try to play it, and it doesn't. There's some magic in in that sample even if you played it exactly the same it doesn't always work so so if we sample something now just give it out right. for free but the word thing was weird i didn't know you had to uh you had to do that and we probably if i wasn't on like a big record label probably went to matter you could probably slide under the uh slide under the radar most of the time but since i was on interscope we we had to do that and they're they're like well why don't you just say uh We'll let you say that part. I want you to say because I'm one sick motherfucker, and I'm like, because that's not <laughs> that's not that change. It's all you know. So it was. I got more. I still kind of got the same idea of the song with the new one. It just it didn't have that part. Mm. But, but yeah. So I guess if you say something, you yeah, have to, from something else. If you said I ain't nothing but a hound dog, maybe. But maybe that song's old enough. I don't know. Huh. And then if something's really old. Uh, if something's like a hundred years old, like right, happy yeah, birthday, there's a certain amount of time, statute right? of limitations or something. Yeah. So we have one, uh, that was on the hangover where we sound, it's like, chung, 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 it's like a Smithsonian. I had like a Smithsonian folk, uh, anthology 
and because that's like a standard song, you know, it's like it's like happy birthday. So no one can own that. No one can own that. Yeah. Wow. Will you uh, come up with a new song by writing it down first and then putting it to a beat, or what's the step by step process usually? It's changed uh, over the over the years. Like it used to be, I just write in my head. Uh, always just be writing in my head kind of like one thing, not to a beat or anything. Uh, even like kind of when I first started, uh, I just would write in my head. No one would even know the way I originally first, first started before I even met Simon was I was doing a website for someone. I learned how to do graphic design and, and I didn't know anyone was, was in the room and I was rapping out loud and he's like, what was that? And I was like, what, what record is that? And I was like, me. And he's like, no way. And and I was like, kind of embarrassed that he even heard me. And then he put me in the studio. But so in my head, while I'm driving, uh, like one verse at a time, and then go and kind of just put it over the beat, and it somehow would fit. Or you listen to a few beats until one fit that thing. And then it got to where like I was recording a lot. I can't have ten songs in in my head, you know. So go there. They play the beat right to the beat. They're they're both now. I kind of just write to the beat while we're there, and I think that's good too. But the it's more structurally like there was something cool about fitting something that wasn't meant to fit to that particular thing, and like more weird nuances would happen. Whereas now everything's like A B C, D, you know, and then how I write the first verse is how I write the second verse, and so. You know, so it really kind of changed when I was like recording every day and I just couldn't hold that much memory in my in my head. So then I started writing at the place. But I liked it better just in my head, kind of driving, you know, one line at a time, get to the third line, go back to the first line, you know, and seeing shit like a lot of it would just literally be as I was things are happening like like driving you could see the words in your mind no just no no like see stuff like i was driving and i was on the i was in the fast lane and then i looked in my my gas tank and it was on empty and i'm like running out of gas in the fast lane you know like shit like that yeah and then pull off the fucking freeway and get gas but like you know you know seeing hollywood seeing la uh and and since it was only one thing at a time it'd be like all the best you know, all the best imagery, you know, like more like street, street journalism or something, you know, not trying to, not trying to make, you know, not like so rich, so pretty where you're like making a statement about something or something. It just, just, uh, there was like an image and then you think, okay, maybe there's a metaphor in this. Maybe, but like with that particular one there, there is running out of gas in the fast lane, but it really was just me running out of gas in the fast lane, (laughs) you know? Uh, that was a uh, song in a uh, Andy Irons movie. There, your yep. music has been in a lot of surf movies. So yeah, I was I was uh, checking it out. So you've been in Dude Cruise, Bruce Irons. Yep, section, yeah, me and Andy were good friends. And, and Bruce and still filthy. Andy Irons, I think, is the Fast Lane. He song. had he had uh, dance. Yeah, and no, no, he had Fast Life. Fast one. Life, I okay. The fast life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I knew about all those. Uh, but it's rad because it's like if you're going to be in two surfers movies, you know. Yeah, two of the second surfers ever. Yeah. How did you meet those guys? Uh, through uh, Ruka, I think, and my friend uh, Logan. You know Logan? Uh, Simon's friend. Simon yeah, 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 Chucky. Yeah. Uh, he, I got involved with Ruka, and he was working over there. Basically... Someone, this guy named Nick was like, 
like the very, very, very beginning when we just, Simon's handing out CDs and he's like, uh, the sick clothing company, this guy, Pat, the sick clothing surfing company in Orange County, uh, likes your stuff and wants to meet you. I'm like, well, I don't need any surf clothes and I don't want to go to Orange County. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks. Uh, he's like, no, really. Um, and then I went there and the guy was like super cool. The clothes are really cool. Now all I pretty much wear is board shorts and flip flops. It was rainy day, so I'm not. But uh, like my chicks, like you dress like she's like you dress like Axel Irons. <laughs> like you gotta step up your game. You can't dress like an eight year old. But uh, so it became like a good friendship, and I met a lot of friends through that. And I went there, and I was like, "Does anyone?" Uh, I smoked a lot of weed back then, and I'm like, "Does anyone here smoke weed?" And he's like, "Logan does." So he called him. He's like, "Bring a bong." And uh, but then Logan ended up taking us to Australia and he would take us to Australia when the contest was going on. Like we'd go to Coolangatta, Melbourne. And, uh, so that's how he met. Right. So we'd just be there while, you while know, it was while all it was, happening. And then you got, yeah, I mean, you, you and Simon both have like, uh, you're, you're for non-surfers. Yeah. Right? You have, like, yeah. For non-surfers, you have like, uh, you, you know, in, uh, the game beer pong when you get a celebrity shot we're like all right you can come in for one shot like you have access yeah, to yeah, yeah. the surfers that most people in the world would never have yeah. access to so yeah. it's like you went right to the top yeah and and, and to- i didn't realize at the time and then but then through watching those contests like i got to where i could like judge really good and stuff and i i, I know the difference between like what's great and what's just you know right whatever um and a lot of surfers listen to your music too yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, at that time, definitely, it was like right on that. On that, we would. It was like surfers like me, Simon, uh, Andre Nicotina, like another totally. You know, we're like Andre Nicotina is huge in the, yeah, in the, it's a tough. lot of. So, well, I, I wonder if it's just it's the beat. It's the t- there's a Could tempo be. to a wa- to surfing Maybe a wave that it. really works, and you can lay a certain track under it. Because I used to make surf movies with my buddies growing up. We'd go, you know one buddy would film me surf for an hour then I'd go in I'd film them and then we'd edit it all together and there's certain there's a certain tempo that really works and that like your music Andre Nicotina before that it was the momentum generation they were using a lot of Pennywise and okay, Unwritten Law sense. it was yeah, yeah. more punk rock stuff but uh yeah there's there's definitely a tempo that works to it and then it's also probably like uh you know like the ethos of it you know like, yeah. it's not folk music. Like, even if there was a folk song that, like, had the right beat, it's not, like, punk or You know, there's something probably about the, like, what what we stand for. Yeah. So, you how know how I mean? well did you know Andy? What was it like uh, I mean, it when, was, he, when he died? Unfortunately, it was just we only knew each other for, like, the few years uh, before he passed away. But uh, it just kind of happened. Like, everyone thinks we did a bunch of drugs together and stuff. We never did any drugs together. Uh so we just would it would be mainly like, you know, a contest could take two weeks with only a few, few days surfing. So just like hanging out in Australia, like we would get on the same planes to go, you know, we'd leave uh, Gold Coast to go to Melbourne. Like they have one uh, funny video Logan had where we're waiting for the bags and we got, we were, I think we got to Sydney actually. I don't know uh, why they came to Sydney because they wasn't surfing there, but we all went to Sydney and then I I was I was just waiting to get my bag to get the fuck out of there and 
so my back came in, I grabbed it, and then I left. And then he pans to Andy, and he goes, cuckoo, cuckoo. Right. <laughs> just like, I don't know what it means or anything. It just was funny. Yeah. And then we did like a Von Zipper ad together, but then they wouldn't put it out because they thought it made like it was bad for him. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, people just assume that. Even when uh, after he passed away, and then I went to Hawaii for the, uh, you know, the paddle out. And then, you know, you could tell you get weird vibes. Like, all the all the bad peop- boys get, like, weird vibes. Mm, like, know? they didn't want, like, once he was associated with drugs, they didn't want to associate around. you with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, like, a... And I get it, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a very strange code of silence that happened when Andy died. And, and in the years leading up to it, you know, you would hear rumors yeah. that, that he was on drugs, but no one would talk about it. And then when he died... The initial report was that he died from dengue fever. Yeah, and and there, you know, none of the media outlets reported on it, and it was outside magazine actually, which is, you know, both literally and figur- figuratively outside of the surfing world that called out how yeah. he had died and and call, said that that was a bogus um, report. I think that it's. I mean, that could uh, that could contribute, right? I mean, if you have something in your body that, like, it could contribute to why you were not perfect to begin with. Yeah. I have no idea, and I'm not going to get on that. But I think, say you work uh, say you work for some uh, corporate company, and they just pay- give you your paycheck, and if you do a good job, like, say you're a fucking stock market dude, and you kick ass, and they know you fucking do a big, huge bag of blow every day, I don't think anyone gives a fuck. Uh, I think in, you know, surfing, anything like that where, and then they kind of like bro down with you, even though you're not bro. You're like, you're not my bro. Like you're just, the you're guy. making money off of me. You're making money. It's, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, like they're ma- they're paying you. They're making money off you. They're paying you. It's like, uh, someone washes dishes for money. Like we, serve, but, but we're not bros. Like you're just the dude who pays me. So. You can act like, but then I think the the guy who gives the paychecks, it's just totally natural human thing that he's going to feel guilty. Like the money I'm giving you, I know is going to to buy something that's killing you. Right. I mean, so then there's this dilemma. I think then the greed uh, supersedes that and they're like, well, you're still making us, you know, however much money. Whereas now they're just straight jocks, like 90%. And it, you have to be like you can't compete at the level that uh, like you're not you don't have like Christian Fletcher's and, you know, uh, that, that, you know, that breed kind of, of ro- rock star badassery. Like, yeah, it has. Um, I mean, yeah, now they're they're super athletes with trainers and yeah. foam rollers. I mean, Bruce is still better than all of them. But uh, but yeah, there's a whole thing. So now they have like, well, we don't need we don't need someone like you. Uh it doesn't matter that you built this company or whatever. Like we're we're giving you the money that's killing you, and we we have these other kids that are jocks, and we're just gonna go that route. And there's you know it's I can see both sides of that. Yeah. No, I I, I, I can just see it from the I, I I would rather not pass judgment on it one way or another. But I think it's really interesting to see these stories where. Um, you know, there's a small industry built around an individual. And like Lance Armstrong talks about this, about how when he was in his heyday and he was doing EPO and winning all these races, there was an industry around him and everyone was pushing him forward. Yeah. And 
um, he said in an interview that he he really just wished that he had an honest an honest voice coming through um, during that time. And it, but it's really rare. I mean, you you see it probably a lot more often than I do, where someone's coming up in the Hollywood scene and everyone knows that they have a problem, but there's just so much inertia behind them that it makes it very difficult to stop. Yeah. And I mean, there, and I think it's like when you have that person that does, you know, if you have, if you're lucky enough to have that person that, that does care about, you know, like look at like uh, Mike Tyson and like Kazamata, like as soon as he was gone, like it just went downhill fast. You know, if you have that person, you know, like, I don't know if they're in Hollywood. Like, I don't know if like, Oh, I just had this agent that was like amazing and took me to yoga (laughs) or you know, but, uh, like you said, no one's going to, they're going to be like, uh, not a lot of agents doing breath. We know you're, (laughs) we know you're totally fucked up. Uh, but you're making us millions of dollars. Uh, when this movie's over, like then we'll, we'll deal with it or something like there's, it's all this whole thing on their back. Whereas, like I said, now, now I don't think they have to deal with there's just a few remnants of like those last like the last of the Mohicans where they still you know get a paycheck but they'll they can get fired off their off their brand because like they get a DUI on TMZ or something right you know yeah I think that the more interesting concept is just to look back and, and look at inertia with humans I mean we were talking about Auschwitz and I'm sure there were a lot of people that were just looking around like wait whoa what are we doing right now but it, there's a, a group mentality a mob mentality that switches something in our brains and I'm not necessarily equating mob mentality with just the inertia of, of no, becoming similar, yeah. famous but there's there's something, it's like being over, it's like a salesman who's overly enthusiastic and tries to get you on their level just with kind of force and charisma. I mean, yeah. you, you used the word earlier, charisma. I mean, that's something that's. I mean, that's, that's the, un, that's the thing you can't buy that will pretty much get you through any situation if you have it, you know, uh, sometimes to your, uh, benefit, sometimes to your detriment, you know, uh, there's just that, you know, there's that, that guy or girl who can like walk into a room and just gift to gab. Yeah. Do you feel like you've, uh, had honest voices in your life throughout your career? I think that that thing you said, uh, I think as you're kind of going up, you start having uh, yes people around you. I think even, uh, I think even the people that do care about you, uh, you know, say you're like paying their rent or something. I think it just becomes hard and they, and they like, well, he's going to do it anyhow or something like that. Uh, but for the most part, I think my, I think my inner circle has, has been pretty honest with me. I think there's just times where I just kind of kept them at an arm's length. Not cause I wanted like, I didn't need the yes people around for like my ego or, or anything. I think it's just, if you're doing something that you probably shouldn't be doing, like you don't want to like ruin your, 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 your vibe. Yeah. You know? Well, it's also hard, man. I, I had a, a psychiatrist on this podcast named Dr. Kelly Brogan and she deals with, um, depression and has a much more holistic view of, of dealing with it, um, than, than SSRIs. And, and she really advocates for people who are depressed looking at the reason for it. Like you should be, most people, not, I'm not a doctor, but a lot of the people that are depressed, they should be depressed because of what's going on. Or like, oh, I just lost my, my wife and my kids and my house and my job. Like you should probably be pretty bummed, but like, 
get off, get out of bed and, and do something, you know, and, and I start know, asking those questions about why you are. Every, um, there's a reason like in this country, everyone's on those drugs and it's totally, it's totally like fucked up. And especially, and they start like so young, like, Oh, this 13 year old boy is like running around crazy. Like there's something wrong with him. It's like, no, he's a 13 year old boy. Like he's supposed to be, he can't sit still. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like he's thinking about his dick and the girl in front of him, like, <laughs> not math. Right. <laughs> like don't put him on. I mean, I think all that, like with all the school shootings and I think all that stuff, like all ties in, well, you know? So Kelly Rogan, another, yeah, it's another tangent, but she, uh, has written articles on, um, the link between mass shootings and SSRIs. So virtually every mass shooter has been on SSRIs and there's a, uh, a condition, I forget the medical term where your liver can't process the SSRIs as well. And it, uh, can make you go crazy and it's and, it. and you have um can be prone to more homicidal thoughts um my, my point in getting into all this is that i think that it can be really difficult from the outside you know whether you see someone who's who's rising to fame and also um you know has a lot of uh issues with it as well or people who are or depressed to be able to try and start that conversation without getting overly invested because the fear, like, let's say that I, let's say I was your, I was your friend. I saw that you had issues. I wanted to say something. The fear is that then if I say something, you're going to just push me away. Yeah. So I think that there's a, there's a real fine balance that I don't know I've ever been able to find yeah, to be able to give people information like, Hey, just so you know, there's another way of doing things. You know, if you're dealing with depression, there are other more holistic alternatives and then stepping away. I think with something with depression, it might be easier to, not that it's easy, but that, that might be easier. Cause you're not like your paycheck isn't reliant on well, it. that. And it's not like you're on drugs. Uh, you know, it's not like an intervention. Like you're like, I'm, you're in pain. I don't want you to be in pain. Like I, I love you. Like, let's try some other things. Like you're not saying like, I don't want you to be doing what you're doing. You're just saying, I don't want you to be feeling the way you're, you know, like, that's a different kind of like intervention per se than like the the drug one where like all of a sudden you walk into a room and there's like a bunch of people and you're like fuck off even though they want the best for you you know I think with uh, with that if enough you know if enough people like your family or your friends were just like look we're we're gonna take you some like we're just gonna take you somewhere and and we're gonna do something about this if it doesn't work you can always go back to being depressed. I mean, it's right. not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just, uh, I think a lot of it's just this, you know, the the way things are just, I think we're in like the craziest time ever now with the social media and all, just everything just like so crazy. Like, uh, I don't know if you read Chris's new book. It's not out yet, but The Civilized yeah. to Death. Yeah. You read it? Uh-huh. So there's the one part they say like a lot of people throughout the world hear voices but we're like the only country where they say to like kill people. Right. Oh, the, so, the so other places they're like walk around the block backwards. Right, right, right. right. So it's right. people who have, I believe it was multiple personality disorder or, you know, they heard voices yeah, in like, their head, but the, the tone of voice was different. They don't say go murder your mom. D- it, yeah. Depending on, it, it, your, says, it was like your house is dirty. You yeah, should clean up yeah. today. Whereas like, in America, it's like you fucking idiot. You're going to you know, die. And that could be like movies, uh, video games, all, all that stuff. I mean, this is everyone knows all this stuff but like uh we can't see like 
like there's one tit in a movie and it becomes rated R, but you could like shoot up a bunch of people by, you know, in the first 10 seconds of a movie and any cute, and that, that's gotta be part of like why the voices are, are saying that. I don't know that like we have different demons in, in America than our, I mean, we yeah. do, but I'm talking about like real demons. Yeah. Well, like, I, mean, I think, I think that a lot of extra creative people get addicted to drugs because they more clearly see the insanity of culture yeah. and can't deal with it. Yeah. Like I said before, the, that Gabor Mate quote, addiction's not the problem, it's the person's attempt to try and solve the problem. And if you're more sensitive to the insanity, you're going to try and numb it somehow. Yeah. Um, when I was young, I mean, it was like that. Like you get older and you see like, oh, you could go, you could go somewhere, you know, oh, if it's crazy here, then you can get, pick up and go somewhere else. Right. You know? Like, I can move to Costa Rica. I could, you know, I don't have... If it's crazy here, I don't need to be here. Especially since my job is traveling so where my home base is doesn't need to be here. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't... I'm not like an actor who goes on acting auditions and needs to be in Hollywood. So... I think when you're younger and you're surrounded by something, then you can't deal with it and you'll take something to numb it. Whereas, and then unfortunately you have that thing like following you for the rest of your life. But if you can, if you get, you know, if you were suffering from depression or something, which I'm sure anyone on drugs probably is suffering from depression too, I, I would think, uh, unless you're like an adrenaline uh, junkie or something and has nothing to do with uh you know, and you just like to take meth because like, <laughs> I don't know, you like want to stay up all night and ride a motorcycle. But, uh, I think you can like do other things. Yeah. You can, you can, I mean, you definitely have to be active. That's the first thing. If you're sitting home on your couch all day, even if nothing is wrong in your life, you're going to be depressed because the body needs to move. We've moved for millions of years. That's been what, yeah we're walkers we've walked walk, all around yeah. the world you might sit on your out like oh just caught a just caught a pig we're gonna eat it we don't need to go hunt for the next week but like the week's gonna end and then you need to go walk again yeah so so yeah what what is what have you found um that have has made you feel better um you know, since, since getting off of heroin, like has there been, so my, my mom for, uh, my mom ran this homeless teen center mm. in Santa Cruz called above the line. So it was the first place that teens who were homeless could go. And a lot of them were, were on heroin. Um, and she said one of the, the coolest activities that they would do with these homeless kids is take them down to the beach and they, they would take the kids body surfing and they were just I like jumping, yeah. I love ju- body they would surfing. jump in the cold water and they would be in the ocean. They said, what that gave us was this feeling of kind of adrenaline that we hadn't been able to replace since getting off of it. I love being in the water. Uh, pretty much all the vacations, uh, we do is like, like, like we went to this Russia thing because it came up and it was like something, a great opportunity to honor my grandparents and stuff. But the truth is like, that's really not the kind of vacation I like. Like I like to be by the beach, uh, you know, get in the water, body surf swim uh i'd like i'd like to get into like scubaing like i snorkel and i scubaed once but i uh i want to get uh certified uh i i skydived once i love doing that um like i don't really have like an everyday thing like i walk hike but i'd like to get into boxing um like i think i would just be healthier if i did that you know uh even though the water's like near me i just don't really think of this is like where I want to get in. Like I like going to Hawaii. 
uh, Australia, we, uh, Mexico, just went to Bali. I love that. Um, just spending more, more, you know, working for a few months and then doing that. Yeah. So I could, if, if, if I lived, you know, if I went in the beach every day and went in the water every day, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy, uh, the guy named Wallace J Nichols, he wrote this book called blue mind. You might enjoy. It's all about what happens to your mind when you are in on and around water. Uh, it's called blue mind. Okay. I'll check it. I mean, I'm just so jealous of like, surfers just like in the tube i'm like that must just be the most amazing feeling like yeah. that must beat any drug sex anything just like in the tube yeah you well know? the thing that's that's so radical about it and why i will spend all of my money and months of my life to chase literally a few seconds yeah in that moment is i think similar to you know what, what we were talking about earlier, like Char- Charles Bukowski, don't try, or my Just dick, per- like don't try. It's yeah. this perfect yin yang, mo- whatever. It's it this is. perfect yeah. moment yeah. where, you know, when you get a really good barrel, it's it can be easy because you're not doing that much. You're just standing there and you're encased in this wall of water and yeah. then you can just whoom, get spit out and even when you watch it like you see like time slow down even though you know like they're going fast as fuck slows down and yeah. then whoosh, just it's a, well, yeah. or you don't see them you're like are they gonna make it are they gonna <laughs> yeah. make it and then they're just, you're like and then you even see like the elation on their like yeah <laughs> yeah well it's a really good example of uh showing how our relationship to time can shift depending on the place that that we're in um i mean it's you know you if you're on a shitty flight home from a long tour i'm sure a four-hour flight feels like a 12-hour flight yeah or if you get a five-second barrel i mean that's a long time yeah. and then you're going to be thinking about that moment for days to come which is bringing you back to into wanting that to get moment and wanting to get in again yeah i mean i think uh the close I probably like had some psychedelic experiences that I in my mind think it would be close to that but it's still not that because I mean I've been in waves body surfing and, and I've surfed a little when I was a kid but uh, not yeah. good and never got do you have fins bands. do you have good body surfing fins no I just I'll show you a good pair to, I know, pair to get I mean okay. you can just throw them in your bag and you and wear they both help. or you just you wear, wear both one. yeah okay. they're called duff fins okay. and uh they help a lot with body surfing because you you don't actually need to be that good and you can get a I have a hand plane and uh, fins that I'll bring on all my trips I'll throw them in my board bag or suitcase. What's a hand plane? So a hand plane is like a a one foot surfboard. Oh, you know, wow. so you could and, really so so and and you and there's a little um, kind of slip that you put your hand in over it and it basically just helps your hand plane across the surface uh-huh. and you can pretty easily kick into a wave and go down the line and experience that uh-huh. feeling of getting See, in the tube. I would like to do that. You should. Yeah. I mean, there's, you, you'll probably, you know, wipe out at the end. It's a lot more difficult to make it out, but you get that moment. I don't go in anything encased. that, uh, like, I, you know, getting wiped out at the end, it's not going to be 20 feet. Yeah. You know I mean? I'll, no, I'll show you what to get. I, think I remember they, the first time I got smashed when I was like five in Kauai, my dad took me out there and him and his buddy were out super far. And, and then uh, they, I saw them coming back. So I just swam and then just got so gnarly and you're fighting it. So like you're talking about time, it felt like, you know, a half hour is probably five seconds where now I know uh, you just let it yeah, take you. Just and it, relax. You just relax. 
And uh, like I said, I would never be in anything that if it wiped me out would be dangerous. Right. And, I mean, maybe one day, but... But like, it's a great lesson of kind of, of moving through a process of discomfort and just... And, and knowing that it's temporary. I mean, it's actually very totally. similar. I, I kind of like it when you know... Like, with the... Pretty much most body surfing, you're getting wiped out at yeah. the end. You're either going straight or you're even without, like the you know those good tools like you know no matter how good it is it's going to get you at the end because you're not on a surfboard and you're not getting spit out properly yeah so but yeah your relationship to like is something that can be quote unquote uncomfortable you just flip that and all of a sudden it's really fun like one of my favorite things is just getting rolled around by a wave along the bottom of the sand laying there you know totally um, what's it like, uh, performing for you? Do you get a big adrenaline rush when you do these concerts? I, I not, okay. I've never really, um, never really got like nervous beforehand. Not because I'm like an entertainer by train. That's just for whatever reason, I don't get nervous beforehand. I'm yeah. But really, when did, when did you start? When was like, when were your first the performances? The first one probably like 12 years ago or something like that. I mean, it seems like not that long ago. Like I could say like five years ago, but I think realistically it's like 12 years ago. And I remember the first one I started with my back towards the audience because I never done anything like that. But like it, it's not... I'm pl- I'm the first one you started with your back, back towards the audience. Yeah, and then I turned around after the first song, and it was like sold out, and everyone had already known the words because Simon. That's some Bruce, pretty, Bruce Springsteen shit. It was right pretty there, awesome, right? but uh, I'm I'm singing like I'm doing a song, like I'm not doing stand up comedy like off the top. Uh, I'm not good at saying things in between the songs. Like I'm like, hey, I hope everyone's having fun. <laughs> like Simon could just be funny in between. Like when we we literally talk to the same DJ because we'll give him our sets, and he's like, uh, in between the songs, just stop. Like let me. T-. And I'm like, after the song, let him clap for a second and go right to the next one, because I just don't. I just it's just not my personality really to like tell it you know like speaking of bruce springsteen he'll be like i wrote this song when i was nine in little league like i just don't have that in me uh not and maybe that's when the nerves kick in or something i'm like i have nothing to say to these people except songs that i'm i'm singing you know uh and I'm and I must have get adrenaline because after the show i'm like hyped uh, up hyped yeah. you know but it's very like i'm like I'm not like feeling, you know, like people say like, oh, like uh, it's not like a sexual experience or, or something like that. It's very like, yes, there's all it's it's almost like abstract and it's easier. It's easier to like a full crowd like that's easier than doing the sound check to three people, you know, the sound because even then I'll still kind of turn around. So will you do a practice performance before the show Just starts? Like one song. Okay. But I'm saying that part is more nerves. Like I'll still kind of look to the side or turn around or put sunglasses. Cause that's like three people staring at me. Right. That's like a lot more, uh, real than just a room of like a and, sea of people. Yeah. And I guess those people paid money to, to be there and like, and we like luckily have good, good fans. Uh, most of the cities, even in LA where people are kind of too cool. Like, I, th- I think we just got like the, people that want to just like let loose or something and and now it's like two ages it's like the the moms and the daughters coming together you know the the moms that got into us when we first came out and then luckily still kids just hearing about us for the first time but i think the what's the same is that like people are just there to have a good time and let loose so it would kind of uh be 
if they just stood there too cool, it would kind of go against the reason of why they were there to, right. be, to begin with. Yeah, no, well, I, I think that, uh, you know, one, one thing that I, we were talking about social media and one impact that that can have on people is it makes them more self-conscious, right? Which is something that you're basically trying to rip out of them when they're at a show. You know, you're getting fucking sweaty and there's go-go girls on da- on stage well, and you're trying to just like yeah. say like, don't think about yourself yeah. for a little while. Yes, like, I mean... Definitely. Like, look how much plastic surgery there is now. And it's because they're staring at themselves and going, well, what if, oh, my left eye is not the same. It's like, it's like if uh, Patricia Arquette, like, fixed her teeth. You don't want that. Like, you were made a certain way. Like, be fine with that, you know. And I definitely the the selfie thing. Yeah, I guess we're trying to get, like, just get out of that. Yeah. And I think, luckily, uh we have, you know, I think they do. Like, some girls will get on stage and shake it, and you're like, whoa, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad, you know? Like, it's kind of like, it's cool that they're just like, you know, like they're not, they're not worried that they got a few extra LBs on them or something, you know? That's great, man. Um, well, I know you got to go soon, but, uh, you have a big uh, date tomorrow. Is that right? Yep. I mean, it won't be tomorrow when they hear it, but yeah, we're going to... Oh, yeah, my it, yeah, my daughter's uh, graduation. So yeah. I thought you meant the show. That's what, which yeah. I'm like, it's not that big of it. It's right. <laughs> uh, San Diego. Um, yeah, my daughter uh, graduates CalArts tomorrow, and uh, it's awesome that she, she pulled it off. Not that I thought that she wouldn't, but it's one of those things as it's going, you know, you see all the trials and tribulations that they're going through. And not that I ever thought she would give up, but like I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I probably could actually, uh, if I, 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 I kind of I think vicariously lived. I never got to go to college or anything like that. And and uh, if I was to, that would be like the, I want to go to art, you know, art school. Uh, so I thought it'd be just a you know dream, but it's actually like a lot of work, papers, tons of stuff. So. Uh, we're just, I'm like, you, you did it. You kick ass. Like, what, uh, was she studying? It's all, they got all different kinds of art there, but, uh, she's like, uh, and she's gotten into different stuff since she started there. They like, they, they encourage you to like work with other, uh, people that do different stuff, but she paints and draws. And since she's been there, she did like sculptures and, uh, work with like sound people. And so, I mean, I'm a little more like traditional and I thought like she just go and like paint every day for four years, but they have like five different, uh, five, you know, like music, um, video, uh, you know, so, and they like, like I said, they encourage you to work together. So like, say you did animation, they would be like, Oh, work with this dude who does sound and like do something together. Right. So, so I think there was like so much, easy to get like and they want you to put your uh you know dip your toes in all the different things so to me it looked like wow you're getting like super overwhelmed with all these different things but i think more when she gets out will be uh where she could like you know kind of take everything you know and like focus and go take what she liked and let go of what yeah what everything else but yeah i'm super proud proud dad uh yeah and good job from Orly. from you yeah. uh, painting as a kid to her. That's that's a very cool story. Yeah, and I was you know it's obviously cool when when your kid does uh, what what you do and and she didn't do it like because I did. That's just what she naturally gravitated towards. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, 
man, thank you so much. Thank you. Let's really, wrap it on that. Yeah, enjoyed this conversation. Me uh, too. Instagram, uh, uh, best place for people to get in touch with you? It's Mickey with the underscore Avalon. All so, right. And then I think uh, on Twitter and Facebook, it's just Mickey Avalon. Cool. But, and and given our uh, theme of, of saying that social media is the devil, do you have any book recommendations for people? Uh, like to read a book? Yeah, to uh, read a book. Yeah, there's a good book uh, called Hunger by Newt Hampson, and it's a very small book, so uh, it'll be easy to get through it. Uh, so I would say that's a really What's good book. What's it about? It's about like a young, uh, it's, he's a Norwegian writer and he's just like, uh, it's about him. Just, uh, he's a young, uh, starving artist, I guess, uh, starting, you know, trying to become a writer, but it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's good, but it's one of Charles Bukowski's favorite writers too. So, uh, Mickey Avalon, I'm a fan. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's our show. If you enjoyed the episode, reach out to Mickey on Instagram. Say, I heard you. Hey, I heard you on Kyle's show. Loved it. Um, takes 10 seconds and always makes my guests feel good also if you haven't uh given this episode or this show a rating on itunes uh wherever you listen to podcasts please do it takes about 30 seconds and uh it helps boost the ratings uh helps me get other good guests so thank you to everyone for that uh once again you can go to mudwtr.com or scmedicinals.com type in the code name kyle10 get 10 percent off ten dollars off uh all those good products enjoy i'm going to play you out with a song called killers by pinstripe love seat and i will link to their band page in the show notes below um and if you're a musician you can send me music info at kyle.surf that's also where you can send a voice memo because you're somewhere if you're listening you're somewhere right now look around you give me some details let me know where you are and uh email the message to info at kyle.surf you can just record it on the voice memos app super simple thanks so much everyone for tuning in i'm grateful and i will see you next week get outside get in the water and give someone a hug who you love because the world does need more of it see you soon